what it is what's up got your podcast in the cut dude i don't even want to do this right now bro like i'm uh it's like tears in my eyes um i just finished uh code gs and uh i'm actually like like tearing up a little bit uh you know th- there's some moments that are eventful enough in anime to really break me down uh the the uh, the the haunch um i guess chapter hasn't been animated yet uh it's a chapter pertaining to her uh that's that's or i don't know they whatever they want to call Hans. um and then attack on titan that's really good really like quality work um part sit i wouldn't say it had me crying but like the inner part sits really had me like just despotic for like a while like I was like unable to really like feel anything because that's how much, how quickly I was pushing through JoJo's at that moment, and like it was uh like a combination of like so much months that just kind of ended like that. It was very very tough, but um, Code Geass, I got onto it because of Attack on Titan, and because this is gonna be spoilers uh going forward, so just keep that in mind. Uh, spoilers for Attack on Titan game, uh, not Game of Thrones, but um uh Kogi ask I don't really want to hold back where I'm going from this is the first segment and we'll do another segment there's actually another episode that I want to do before this uh it's actually been made before this that I've tried to avoid the spoiler alerts on so hopefully I'll post it at some point but um the ending the ending is a connector between the two and I like I said in that part they the premise that these two have a shared ending I, you know, they do. I mean, there's really no other way around it. Um, it it's like not even just the ending chapter per se. It's like probably the last three or four chapters. He he tries to set it up. I'm I'm not even talk about this in the second segment and just kind of introduce this. He tries to set it up. In a, in a very interesting way where he tries to make it to Aaron's life. But in in trying to copy this ending, there's certain parts that are so woven into Lelouch's life that it's like... Also just a strategy aspect. Like I think on, on such a, a writer level, I think that uh attack on titan does reach some complexities that kogi ass does but in terms of just this figure as this as your t it's a technician a strategician is what i wanted to say but as a, a wonder kind as a genius uh you just kind of don't it, to me like even if he executed the last 10 chapters or so isayama i still don't think it'd be possible for the plan to, to be explained and unraveled the way that he wanted it to, mainly because it's one fucking like chapter. Like he literally explains the premise of this whole plan for the most part. I mean, he's kind of led on with the dream that uh that um Mikasa has about Aaron that initially sounded like a dream or, or a flashback, but actually ended up being like the moment of conversation between them. Um it's it's just almost impossible to do what he wanted, and it was done tastefully. I think that having those two take that walk is very akin 
to the realization that uh, Lelouch has about his sister's thought process, her being pretty much the only family member he has that shares the same vision that he has for the future. And that I think that's why in part he doesn't kill her. He just uses Gios to make things play have, play out as they do. Because um, you know, he's very intent to kill her. Like not because of fighting for the Damocles is key, but for the sake of her being another barricade to the future. And I think that everybody's good at this point or subjugated was because they were a blockade to the future, uh, especially when it comes to his family. Although... I'm like now as I'm saying this, like looking back to all his other family members and seeing that spat he had with them uh, individually, of course, you know, thinking like, wow, that's that's really caked in. Like he he like explicitly says it in the final episodes, like Clovis was this, you know, kind of just the same cog and the same wheel. And then like his father um was the past, and Euphemia was uh accidental stepstone to the future. But she was like Nunnally, and she wanted a future of peace. And you can maybe say it's like her sweet talking of him, but also just the fact that she was so, she was like Nunnally, but like in an actually executable format. Like she actually had plans and shit to get to that point. Um, and that's why he's willing to work with her and not any other ones, obviously. And all the other ones uh, clearly appear to be more of like your typical, I'm in the moment now type of leader or emperor i'm just worrying about the now and how i can quote unquote attain peace through my means i mean even like the way he pokes holes into the lucha's theory uh schneisel who is clearly a better tactician and probably even a smarter person than luch still like has his scope his scope is limited by what he can do and luch realizes that like more can be done with him being dead and apparently that is what happens in the final episode. But um, I say all this say to like just it's just so much brain power goes into Lelouch. It's not to be like some kind of fucking like oh this is just this is like smart. And then Attack of Titans is just dumb in comparison. But it's just so much that goes into this ultimate flip in their respective last pieces of you know material. And it's like maybe when it's animated, we'll get to see more. Um, kind of like dialogue that allows us to think, hey, this is what Aaron was thinking along the way. And like when we see those flashbacks happen, those small degradations of Aaron's character uh, that happen, you know, after the fact, obviously, it would be being a flashback. Um, maybe, maybe it'll it'll hit a little bit harder, but I, I just think that, I think that A, it was just damn near impossible for him to do what he wanted to do while staying, I, I, I hand a guy. I think he tried to he tried to copy this ending. I really do. I, I think he tried to, in many ways, try to copy this this ending. Not maybe not verbatim, but I mean, you can kind of just look at some of the the things that that are on forums and find the comparisons yourself if you want to. But it, it's it's like it's like a, a caveman knuckle dragon type of way because it just puts in so many things to try to get that bridge finished that's like the whole thing comes apart at the last so I mean like he even goes to the part of like finding that 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 love that ultimate love that like has stayed within the protagonist the entire series that's been the guiding beacon in a sense 
you know, for that, like Nunnally has been this engine for for him for um for Lelouch. And it's like, okay, that makes sense in this premise, but like because Nunnally is an engine, but then like Nunnally ends up like also being a part of the ultimate vision that 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 Lelouch sees. So like she doesn't se- she doesn't separate from that. But Mikasa isn't intellectually anything like Nunnally. Like she doesn't even have a honest to God real vision of anything. She's just Mikasa. She follows Aaron. Her entire life is Aaron. So she'd be more like C2, essentially. But like she's pretty much positioned to be, in my opinion, positioned to be Nunnally. I guess you could say. I guess you would put Armin has to be Suzaku, which if you think like being the send off after Aaron dies, the last person Aaron talks to being a spokesperson for his country in a way after Aaron dies, that Armin and Suzaku kind of makes sense in a way. But I, I don't think Mika's a fit and she doesn't have to, obviously. I mean, it's his ending. It's like, it's, you know, it's not like it's not fucking the Cold Geass ending. It's Ichiyama's ending. But with him clearly making it in a way to be that ending, it's like you kind of have to make these comparisons. It's like I'm not making one-on-one comparisons across the board, but it's like those there has to be a Mikasa comparison for that plan to work. And it's like if you don't get it, then you get to the situation where, hey, now Aaron clearly had way more weight into Mikasa as a part of his life than was led on for an entire arc. Pretty much the entire like two arcs, give or take, depending on you look at, because Historia for a while like took out the 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 main female. Honestly, God, there's so much that goes into Aaron and Historia, like not in a fucking relationship sense or anything like that, but just how much weight she holds to the character of Aaron for like literally what what would be an entire anime season, like pretty much most of season three, and then all pretty much all of season four, like until we get to that moment. It's like, you can't really have that. And then at the last second of this motherfucker's life, it's just like, okay, Mikasa was this guiding force for me like all along. And like, it, it just, it just feels shoehorned. Like he had to have that ultimate female send off a la C2 and then a la Nunnally. Like it's, she's kind of like a, a, um, a Giorno Giovanno type of like fusion between the role that Nunnally had and then the role that C2 kind of plays in the send-off post. Like, there's not many female characters left in Attack on Titan. There's definitely not that many that adore Aaron like that. So it's kind of like multiple players have to kind of fill in the the, the, the role, so to speak. And I'm, I'm out here doing like shit on Attack on Titan and big up Kogi ass because blah blah blah. It's just my opinion on the way that ending played off. Now I'm gonna take a break here, get some water, some shit, then uh, kind of read off some, really just some some theories I see on Reddit because I kind of have these premises. I've had these premises for a while. This was like that Attack on Titan was taking some things from this series, like in season one, like pretty much towards the end of season one. Now they they turned it on this head in this in a very surprising way. Like even though it was. Again, built up perfectly, like very tastefully. The writing in this is a masterclass. 
it still feels like Lelouch could have wanted, did what he wanted to do, even in the Charles Britannia type of way, which is what he clearly was. Not not really clearly, but in a way he was kind of in, in what, what am I trying to say? Embodying some of what Charles Britannia was going to ultimately be to people from the outside um, after his plan was executed. And then in a in a way, I mean, he also just represents your stereotypical emperor. Like he achieved everything for his idea of peace, right? But then it's like that would have been an acceptable ending if he had actually executed peace, quote unquote, by being this overlord. But then it's like it's just a gap. Like there would have, there would have been another Lelouch after Lelouch, probably. Like there would have been a successor to him because he would have essentially been what his father was to him from the outside before he found out about his father's inner mechanisms and stuff. So it, it's like, it would have been, it would have been like a poor character conclusion if it happened, but it would have been acceptable. But I mean, he takes the extra step and like he makes it to where it fits in into Lelouch's character. Anyway, I need to, I need to take a break. I'll be right back. Where is my save button? There it is. I got really fucked up going to the uh, the bar again. That, dude, I, I think I got like a fucking uh, another throat infection going to the bar. <laughs> I gotta stop doing that shit, um, especially in this COVID time. So I, I don't, I don't know, man. I, people invite me to go to the bar. I'm like, okay, I'll go. But I think I'm gonna chill on the bar for another couple of months. Um, just on Reddit, the thread is after reading the ending of Attack on Titan's manga, looks oddly familiar. Her, huh? It's like a meme. Uh, <laughs> it's like a, a, a god is like pissed at the world versus like a uh, the, the Chad type of guy, the fucking strong face Chad that like just bears the weight of the pain, I suppose. Um, it's like this was like January, this was like what three months ago, so like they were pretty much around the um, right out there center stage saying this. So, here's a post by Kuro, has a couple of posts in this thread. Watching season four of Attack on Titan, I noticed some more or less similar. I'm guessing he doesn't read the ending. I'm, I'm guessing uh, I may have a bad liver. Oh, he said I, I've seen more or less similar resemblances in certain season characters. First of all, it's Gabby, which to me looks like a younger, more narcissistic Suzaku. That's he said he watched it. I feel like in reading it, Gabby's a lot worse than she actually appears to be in the other series. I think she's just positioned into. I think it's really just. I would say poor writing, but just like really aggressive writing by the uh, mangaka. I, I think that truly that like Gabby is a very not content where she's at because she wants power herself. Obviously not for the reasons that uh, Suzaku wants power. Like for more uh, ultra, not altruistic, but the opposite of that. Like more narcissistic, not not, not narcissistic, but more. Um, I mean, she does. She wants things she sees can protect her her country better than anybody else. So that's kind of in part why she does it. She kind of is like her mother's really demonic, uh, subservient idealism, but like executed in just the purest like strain of it. And she's so de- de- delusion, delusion, illusioned by that that. I can see where he's calling narcissism, but like 
I guess he looked at the heart of heart of things. He's just like Suzaku. Suzaku's only raised in the world that he created by killing his father. If that makes sense. But I don't think he's necessarily narcissism. Like, I don't think she thinks of herself as like some necessity that only she can do what she does. And then like Suzaku by the end of the series is that. He's pretty much the only person that thinks that he could be the savior. Especially after going into C2's world. Or C's world I guess. Whatever it's called. Uh, which would be fun. But, but don't think the difference is that she doesn't have any ideals to defend. She just wants to exterminate the alien from Paradise Island for her past. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could re- interpret it like that, but I also would say that she kind of does have a nationalistic sense. Nationalistic sense. In my opinion, the scene where Kaya tries to kill Gabby with a knife at the restaurant because Gabby killed Sasha, who is Kaya's goddess, looks similar to the scene where Nina tries to kill Lelouch because he killed Euphemia, who is Nina's goddess. Okay. Well, Mikasa and Colin also look similar to me. Mikasa and Colin. I think they end up being very similar characters. Um, in terms of devotion, but you clearly see that Colin is more individualized. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I can see where you would like say to compare those two at definitely. Um, okay, let's move on from that one. Carbon copy isn't that's that's not true. I, I do think he does enough to make it like feel like it could happen within that world and not just be like. Okay, this clearly only happened to uh, Code Geass, and we just made this out of thin air. I uh, Aaron, I'm trying to like remember all the problems I had with that chapter, like oh, as far as it, it pertain to Aaron, other than just the Mikasa moments, which were obviously like fucked up. But um, I think it's like I, I think the biggest thing that like fucked people up was that Aaron's idea of freedom and how he went about doing it was so it became so idolized at a moment and then it became so raw and just break the fucking wheel right and then like maybe it's in part because the about face back to the first Aaron or maybe it's because what after what happens afterwards like doesn't break the wheel like with what we get with Cole Diaz is the wheel is broken because of the way that Lelouch carried the burdens and Aaron tries to do the same thing but they don't bite like it's still war and shit. Which, I mean, there's a possibility it could be, like... Well, see, it can't... Like, at least from the Britannia family, it doesn't appear that it could be another uprising. Because we get... Uh... I forgot her name. Oh, Pink Hair. I, I, I don't know how I forgot about her name. Um, Coletta? No, I'm thinking about Valletta. Um, you know, Purple Hair. Uh, Guilford's uh, princess. Uh, she clearly appears to be just disillusioned from all this idea of warfare and what's justice, what's not. And then Nunnally obviously is like beholden to the idea of executing like this quote unquote peace. And Schneizel, I think, is still under some control by the end of the all that. So, and then people are so content where they're at. So it's like they can't really be, there doesn't, there doesn't need to be a warfare, basically. Everything is set up to where this pretty much like the Brit Britannia is gone. Britannia is gone. So it's like all that hate that they have for their straits, their dire straits, their shitty conditions goes with that Britannia and goes with Lelouch. But like, that doesn't happen with the way Aaron dies. Like, it's just, hey, Titans are gone. That's it. It doesn't even, even, even end in a way that like Paradise is forgiven. That's how it, uh, it doesn't even end like that. So it's like, 
I, I think the real problem is that he needed more time to execute and show that the things that went right went right. And probably show more about Aaron's master plan. I mean, like, we don't really get to feel the the weight that's being burdened enough from Aaron, I feel like. Like, we just pretty much got like a couple chapters like, hey, this motherfucker really didn't want this shit. And has some fleeting moments. But, like, I don't, I don't think it's any, anywhere near the same, right? We'll move some more. Uh, I enjoy both, although Aaron's character was in some ways a ripoff of Lelouch. It truly is, which is sad because I didn't see it coming because Aaron never actually Lelouch side of character. Yeah, I mean, that... That, that hero complex was even Aaron's thing. Like, that's clearly something that Luch has as a hero complex. That's not really something that Aaron... Like, he did, you know, go, you know, crazy and, like... Not crazy, but, you know, he went and stormed um, Marley on his own. But, like, he does have this grander plan that doesn't make it seem like he just does it to do it. Like, he... I mean, we kind of find after the fact that, like, he knew everything was going to happen, so... He kind of knew like how to reach this ending that he wanted. And he kind of had to do what he had to do to get to that ending. But like he doesn't seem to do that out of like a need to like be a hero. Like he kind of does it appears to like he thinks he can just do it and like save his friends from like the fucked up in the moment, you know, and in, in the, the war, I suppose. <laughs> Here's the funniest shit. This is from six months ago. I don't care if you've read chapter 136, but it clearly shows a cold VS ending is impossible. Let's see, uh, cold. Let's just pull it up. I don't remember which one that is. I think it ended 139, if I remember correctly. So, let's see how you got to that conclusion. I cold VS, fuck. Okay, I'm going to respond to it with LOL. Spoilers, but it actually happened. <laughs> Someone responded to it three months later, but I mean, like, you know. Remember, we were told by Greece that Aaron accomplished his mission, but what is Aaron's mission? It was simply to kill everybody in the world. He clearly attacked the decades himself by, other, by allowing other time shifters to transform, refusing to alter their memories, persu- persuading Zeke to oppose him, ETC. I think Aaron said about Zanato's gambit where he wins by no matter the outcome. If he's defeated by the alliance, it would only be through Marley and Elliot cooperation, which could be built upon for future peace deal. I think that I think that Isayama wants set up like that, like Marley and Elliot cooperation, but it's not done in a very. It doesn't appear to be done at all. It doesn't appear to happen. Um, that discussions, but not actual like guaranteed peace. If he is not defeated, he wipes out any and all threats against Paradise Forever through global omnicide. No matter what happens, Aaron achieves his goal of keeping his people and friends safe. The friends part is definitely not true. His friends already killed Sasha and Hans, who are more likely to be killed. Yeah, that I think I think that was kind of the copium uh, stemming in this moment. Okay, chapter one thirty six. Let me see. What is he talking about? We need to kill Aaron. Yeah, so they they make the conclusion to kill Aaron. Uh, we have the moment of like conflict between the Marlins and the soldiers, but the 
delivered uh, the guys who got saved and then the soldiers that was like stationed in the post. Uh, I don't see what makes him think that this can't be. This is when Armin meets up with Zeke, I'm pretty sure. And then everybody seems to be fucked. I'm guessing his thought process is... Because of... Them organically finding a solution that doesn't involve his... Help. And then... It appearing to be where everybody's going to be fucked. Which, I mean, obviously, if you read this, you're like, you're knowing that's not going to be like that, but... Okay. I guess they're basically saying that with Aaron not trying to actually interfere to save anybody, that that's why it couldn't be like Lelouch basically being a hero in the end. I wouldn't mind. It's funny to read in hindsight. I wouldn't mind. I don't understand people are so against the ending that it isn't everybody dies and Aaron won, Aaron won the end. What's the moral then? You can do anything you want to be free. Your freedom is more important than others' freedom. Um... That does ring like a certain character in Code Geass, but I don't know who it would be. I guess it would be what Lelouch presented to be before he did the hill turn in the last moments. I guess. Uh, because at this point, everybody down would make more sense than Aaron trying to pull Lelouch after already wiping out billions of humans. Well, I mean, Lelouch does result in millions. Like, Lelouch's plan... Of, let me think. Well, he, he the 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 Flayha being released was not part of his plan. Uh, so the millions that died because of that was not part of his plan. He did not want that to happen. He does subjugate hundreds of thousands, if not millions, if not, you know, on the verge of billions. But that's kind of post after his plan gets revealed. But as far as killing uh, billions or even millions, I don't think he does that per se. He does kill quite a few. But they're usually like nobility and like the old guard and what old way things happen. <sighs> I don't know. I think it's just funny in some way to see that to see that it was there in front it's kind of like with Obito and Naruto right like it was there in front of us and like we was like nah he, well they I, did, I didn't watch at this point but they were like oh shit <laughs> no this couldn't happen this can't happen <laughs> This can't happen. Please, God. Don't let this happen. And it happened anyway. It was almost verbatim. Same ending. A few thoughts I had. This is from 2018. A few thoughts I had that I wanted to share. The show might have had a this might have an ending similar to Code Geass. Where Aaron will be the only one who controls the world with his power. He will go crazy and selfishly want things for himself only. After all those memories he obtained from the past, he will start to lose his mind, use his power to become the king of the world. Uh, 
Another theory I have of the end, which is quite different, that Armin would want to bring peace to the world after Aaron sacrificed himself. Then when you become the narrative of the story, you will probably have all the uh, you probably have all the Titan power together, and maybe in the curse of Ymir unifying the world. Also, a theory of the past. I don't know how dated back this is. Also, a theory of the past. I think Aaron communicated with his own self indirectly, so to help him, like this, this is before uh, chapter one nineteen to one twenty three, where we kind of get through like everything happened because of Aaron. Also, a theory of the past. I think Aaron communicated with his own self indirectly, so to help him, like how he killed those men to save Mikasa. Maybe the Attack Titans will help. It would helped Aaron throughout his life because of paths. Wow. Okay, so this dude hit on some really big ones like some pretty massive ones he hit on the arm and being the narrative story kind of um he hit Aaron sacrificing he didn't hit on Aaron eliminating Titan power but with, without knowing how the fighting Titan power really pan out you just know he could have knew how that would work based on the information he had he had some pretty fucking immaculately good luck um but no it, it's actually not in similar to his ocean theory would actually be like closer to um, Code Geass than the main theory he presented, which was Aaron's goes crazy and rules it under. Unless you said Ragnarok, unless you think about the Ragnarok theory, then maybe. But like the Zero Requiem uh, is actually closer to the second theory he presented. It actually, ended up being very correct. That's crazy. So he hinted about the theory he wanted, like. A year before it ended. That's interesting. So he had. I, w- I would honestly God. Probably gamble quite a bit. That. Isayama was heavily influenced. By at least. One or two series. In putting this out there. And I would bet. On top of that. That. One of those series is called Gias because it's just there's just like too many parallels, honestly. Like, I think that I, I don't know what made him want to say he wanted to, to make this like called Gias, but it's it's very clearly like mildly influenced by it, right? And I was thinking like D, like Game of Thrones, because it was some similarities at the time in that to, to this to where this was going at. But um especially in the way that things kind of like coalesce together, you know, for the sake of getting off the plot. But man, I think if I, I honestly God I think I would really dislike this back half of this season four if I had watched Code DS. Like I think I would really dislike this if I watched this. I can't imagine how people felt like oh yeah, here here's the article I was looking for. Hajime Ishiyama is a huge fan of Game of Thrones. I was like making these theories about. Here we go. If you are, this is October 5th, 2019. So I think around the same time that 119 to 123 is debuting. If you aren't curious whether there's a connection between Game of Thrones and Attack on Titan, the short answer is yes. Last November, Ishiyama embarked in a tense bench watching marathon on the HBO hit. The artist can. Completes all six seasons in a staggering short time, and Isayama left the marathon inspired. The creator told fans, in bold, the creator told fans Game of Thrones influenced him and about how he should end Attack on Titan as the series nears his final chapters. I, t- I was telling people, like, when I was like reading through it, 
and like I had watched season eight. Like this is, I'm, I'm clapping for myself right now. It's not like a mass. Like I was saying, but but I was saying this. Like my most viewed video. I think my video, my fucking glasses just broke. My most viewed video on YouTube now and probably forever is saying like it's my first video saying i've said a couple of i just said like explicitly but it's one of my first ones that mentioned how the writing just kind of favored game of thrones and some of some of its conventions like you could kind of make that you know multiple series that came before that just do whatever for the sake of making things happen and just say the end justifies the means and having like multiple character regressions occur for the sake of getting to the point that's happened before right but I was on it and I never I, I didn't know about this quote until I didn't know there was a connection until um, I want to say when did I find out about this the last three chapters I want to say the last three chapters I found about this this connection because I mean it's obvious like I got downvotes for that shit but it's like it's obvious that he was con- he was influenced. I mean, like he could just be influenced by like finding ways to fill in a bunch and a few amounts of you know screen time. But like it was too convenient. So if you ever wanted, <laughs> if you ever wanted to 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 have, I mean, there's a there's like a massive fucking correlation between Aaron mentally. In the past, in the last few chapters, to obviously like Lucius, as I alluded in the first like fucking twenty minutes of this shit, but also to Brand Stark, which is the article I'm reading also mentions that this the say the sense of being fucking tired of how much you've seen and that outwardly having an effect on how you perceive things in the future and what that future may be and how you may not have a part of that future because of how much you've seen the fucking past and the present. That same weight it was beheld by Brandon Stark in the uh, final, well, it, uh, in a good bit of Game of Thrones, but obviously in that uh, last season quite heavily. Attack on Titans season four is the birth product of Cold Geass and motherfucking Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's it. That's where I is at. Hope y'all enjoyed this. This is probably one of my favorite things I've ever done. Is this chapter right? This episode right here. Because I mean, it started out as me just wanting to praise uh, Cole Geass, which I still do want to praise Cole Geass. It's probably the other than the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Well, I'm not saying other, but like in the same realm. I think it's the best series I've ever watched. Anime. I, I think. I think Death Note just hit such a miasma in the back half. Attack on Titan drops the ball. I'm trying to think like within the realm of like shonen or like contemporary like mainstream anime. Cowboy Bebop is pretty good. You know, it doesn't aspire for as much, obviously. You know, it's a lucid plot, lucid narrative and all that. I, I, I'm never watching One Piece. Naruto, it... Naruto drops the ball in the, in the end back half and shipping is too fucking long. Uh, JoJo's is like it's close, but it's like 
It's hard to write JoJo's, right? Like, it's just hard to write what that is, right? Um, I, it might, it might be, the, it might be the best anime I've ever watched. I, it's, it's probably gonna be my favorite. It's, it actually will crack in my top five. My top five favorite, including that, will probably be JoJo's, FMAB, probably Dragon Ball, probably Naruto. Then Bleach. So I guess you have to kick out... I said FMA, right? Probably have to kick out FMA. I, I just love... I love the 2000s so much, man. It, it'd be hard for me to ever take out Bleach. Um, actually, Bleach was a, a very late inclusion because of me coming back to it as, a, as a, um, a kind of a more mature, almost adult, and realizing, like, if you watch all this at once instead of having adults swim, like, replay arcs a thousand times and then giving like a fucking filler break for like fucking three years and then coming back to a new series find a new arc finally it's pretty good um i would say either bleach or fma brotherhood like i really like fma brotherhood but i really like i i, I i'm not gonna go into bleach too much you know but i really like bleach it'd be one of those two dragon ball i don't really like too much anymore but i mean like i literally like live out so much of Dragon Ball and from my childhood, from the games I play, from shit like that I consume that I could never like I can never pump fake but I don't still like adore Dragon Ball, right? But like Naruto is probably higher than Dragon Ball on my list. Naruto's probably my favorite anime of all time. Um it it just you know it, it's Naruto. Naruto, Dragon Ball JoJo's Cody Yes Bleach. I think that's what we'll go with there. That's where I feel comfortable putting it in there. Fantastic series. One of the rare anime series that knocks the fucking ending at the ballpark. It may have gotten better during the ending. That's how fucking amazing it is. It got better during the ending, which almost almost no series get better during the fucking ending. Like they almost all have to tune down and they just put everything in power to make sure that okay. We make things connect, and maybe it's not entertaining to watch, but it's just we don't make a bad ending, quote unquote. Like The Wire has an entirely bad season five. Well, not bad, but pretty bad season five. And then it's like they put everything to make sure the last few episodes bang. But like you have almost an entire season that's like unmemorable as fuck. Other than that, Code Geass gets better in like the last 10 episodes or so that's fucking almost impossible to do when it's like fucking incredible like the other 35 40 fucking episodes i don't know that's it for me i hope you all enjoyed this man i really do it's gonna be long as fuck i'll see y'all later man peace